Okay, that's exciting. It's, it's wonderful to see the team uh, go off and uh, serve the Lord in that way, and we really will, as a church family, uh, pray for each one of them and uh, pray that God would bless them and uh, use them, that they would come back just a, with a sense of, of uh, having done His work and also having grown themselves uh, spiritually. And so let's, uh, let's commit to pray for them. So they leave on Saturday. Is that right, Stephen? Uh, Saturday. And, uh, and gone for, what, eight days? Something like that? About a week, yeah. And so please uh, keep them in your prayers as they go. Today is our second sermon in the series Grounded and Growing. Uh, look at the parable of the soils. And uh, we got started last uh, week. I'll save you uh, the costume change this morning, and uh, we'll just uh, jump right in here. But uh, we're looking at the parable of the soils as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13. And uh, as we talked about last week, in this parable we find three elements. There is sower, seed, and soils. And we talked about uh, what is the sower, actually we should say, who is the sower, and we talked about how anyone who spreads the word of God, the gospel message, is uh, the sower in the parable of the soils. But ultimately it's Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the one that can plant the word of God in our hearts in such a way that it can take root and begin to grow and, we, and, and, and bear fruitfulness in our lives. And we also talked about what is the seed. The seed is the Word of God. And uh, as James 1 said, the seed planted, the Word of God planted in us can save us. And James also goes on to say those who hear it and do it and put it into practice are blessed by it. So we've considered the sower and the seed, and now this morning we will consider the first of the four soils in this parable. Matthew 13, 4, Jesus describes the first soil in the parable this way. As he was scattering the seed, some seed uh, fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. So the first soil that we have is the soil on the path. And we can imagine that this uh, path has been traveled on by thousands of travelers and it's packed it hard so this path is all uh, is almost as hard as concrete the seed that falls on this path it says doesn't even take root it's there it lays on the soil until a bird comes and snatches it away now jesus gives the spiritual meaning of the, of this first soil in verses 18 and 19 he says Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom uh, and does not understand it. So we'll talk about this morning. What does it mean that, uh, if we do not understand it? The evil one comes and snatches away what is so sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. So the hard soil ultimately represents a hard heart. And so today's sermon, we are uh, looking at the condition of having a hard heart. To tell someone that they have a hard heart is a horrible uh, insult. 
If you were to tell someone you have a hard heart, what you mean by that is that person lacks compassion, that person lacks uh, a caring or understanding. Uh, to tell someone that they have a hard thing to say, and I don't think any of us would want to have a hard heart. Christian or non-Christian, we don't want to have hard hearts. But as Christians, we understand that there is not only a heart, we can not only develop a hard heart towards, another, towards others, but we can develop a hard heart towards God himself. Now, to develop a hard heart towards others, that happens sometimes when we've been hurt, when we've been in a situation where we've tried to help and the person and the and and the person and we received, you know, hurt in the process and we develop a hard heart in which we don't want to care for others. But what happens when we develop a hard heart towards God? You you might have known people that you would say has a, have a hard heart towards God. They're like as hard as concrete when it comes to their relationship with God. They want nothing to do with God. And so this morning we want to consider if we uh, feel like uh, hardness has been, begun to take root in our hearts, how is it that we will be softened to have a soft heart towards others? And also, what will it look like for us to have a soft heart towards God? God's Word has a lot to say along these lines. And so in, the, in today's sermon, to consider this idea of having a hard heart, we'll ask ourselves three questions. One, what is a hard heart? Two, what are the signs of a hard heart? And three, what are you to do if your heart begins to harden? So we're going to define it, we're going to identify what it is, and then we're going to seek to look at God's Word to see, is there any remedy? How might God uh, help us when our hearts begin to harden? Let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask for His help. Father God, I know that even as I deliver this uh, word this morning that uh, my heart can grow hard. Just in the busyness of life and in the, in, the, uh, in the difficulties of seeking to do what you want uh, me to do, God, there are times where my heart is not as soft and sensitive to others or to you as I want it to be. And God, I'm sure that there are many here in this room that resonate with that. God, we pray now that as we turn to your word, that you would speak to us, that you would be the sower, that you would be the one that plants your word in our hearts so that we might be saved by it, that you might save us from a hard heart, that you might uh, bless us so that we can be alive to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the first question is, what is a hard heart? Now, I, I imagine we could offer a lot of things to say about what is a hard heart, but I'm going to just narrow our focus to this one parable. Because in this parable, we see two crucial things about what it means to have a hard heart. The first thing I would point out from this parable is that a hard heart is dead to the Word of God. If you look at this soil, in fact, of all four soils, this is the only one that never comes alive. The other three soils at least start to grow. But this soil simply lays on the hard path, and it this seed uh, simply lays on the hard path and never begins to take root. And that leads me to the conclusion that the hard heart is dead. Is dead to what? It's dead to the seed, to the 
uh, to the Word of God. A person with a hard heart does not, as this passage say, understand the Word of God. Now, uh, when Jesus says that they do not understand it, he's talking about more than a cognitive comprehension. Because there are many people who will can cognitively look at the, read the Bible and understand what God's Word means, but they don't believe it or trust in it. You see, when we think of a, a biblical definition of understanding or knowing or believing, it always has to do with trusting in God and actually doing it, putting it into practice. Understanding in the Bible means that a person grasps the truth of God's Word and places their trust in God. Biblical understanding leads to believing and doing. James shocks his readers in his letter when he says that even the demons believe in God and shudder. And yet he says that they, uh, and yet they do not trust in God. They know who he is. They cognitively grasp who God is. But they want nothing to do with God in their lives, and they, and they hate God. And so the first thing we can say about the hard-hearted person is that they do not obey the Word of God. The second observation that we see in this parable is that a bird comes and eats the seed, and Jesus makes it clear that the bird represents the evil one. The hard-hearted person is in Satan's camp. Now, I, I speak of this very uh, clearly and plainly, but I, but I know that, you know, in our world, it's, it's hard to be so black and white about it, but the Bible is clear that we are either in Satan's camp or we are in God's family. If we are in God's family, we belong to him. We are saved. We have been forgiven of our sins. But anyone who is not in God's family is, by definition, in Satan's camp. I won't call it a family because there is no love there, but they belong to the evil one. And, this, and, and when we begin to let that resonate in our minds, that is what motivates us to pray for our lost family and friends and seek to share the good news of Jesus with them. Like, that's what's motivating people to say, hey, we want to go out into the community and, and uh, share the gospel with those. We, wanna, we, want to un, we, we have to be driven by the fact that we are either in God's family or we are in Satan's camp. And uh, there's no two ways about it. Now, people can be moving towards God or they can be moving away to, uh, from God towards, towards the evil one. But we are in one of two camps. And my prayer is that uh, we would, this is what we are all about as a church, be sharing the seed, the good news of Christ, so that many may make a decision to place their trust, not just know him cognitively, because many know him cognitively, but to actually love him and to put their faith and their trust in him. Now, what about those that are in God's family? Well, as we said, there can be movement. And what I would say is that, the, that even as followers of Christ, believers in Jesus, we can be influenced by the evil one. Like, that's not hard for us to imagine. We live in a world that is surrounded by Satan's temptations. And if we give in to those temptations and our influence, then that is the quickest path towards a hard heart. 
Because if we have, a, because a hard, because sin always leads to a hardening of our hearts towards others and towards God. And so in conclusion, when we ask this question, what is a hard heart? A hard-hearted person is not trusting in the Word of God or obeying it, but they are giving in to temptation and are being influenced by the evil one. That's the conclusion that we come to from this parable. Now the question is, is that you? Have you cultivated within your own heart a softness, a sensitivity, a tenderness towards the Word of God and uh, obedience to Him, a love for Him? Or are you being influenced by the temptations all around you, where you are being influenced and drawn away from God by the evil one? This is where we have to examine our own hearts, because I'll admit anyone is susceptible to a hard heart. We can, in the midst of our lives, always have our hearts being hardened. In fact, I was amazed as I was, uh, consider- as I was studying for this passage, I looked at the example of the disciples. In Mark chapter 8, they have just experienced surely one of the most obvious miracles that Jesus did. He had fed thousands of people with just a small amount of food. And, uh, and that happens at the beginning of Mark 8, and then when we get to the middle of the chapter, just right on the heels of that, Jesus says to his disciples, Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Surely if, people, if, if his disciples were walking with Jesus and seeing all the miraculous things that he is doing, surely that can happen to us as well. That even when God is at work all around us, if we are not sensitively seeking the Lord, our hearts can be hardened as well. And so this leads us to the question number two. A question number two is, what are the signs of a hard heart? You know, last week I had the hoe up here and we started digging and said, this is going to be hard work. Well, here's the hard work. We have to examine our own hearts. Five, I have five signs for a hard heart. Look at your, uh, consider your own heart. Number one, a hard heart does not love God or the things of God. A hard heart doesn't love God or the things of God. They've become a little bit lukewarm towards God. Or, they, uh, or the things of God, what I mean by that are things like worship and fellowship with God's people, the serving God, studying God's word. The love for God and the things of God has waned. That's a sign of hardness. Number two, a hard heart does not have love and compassion for people. A hard heart uh, doesn't want to, has become hard or unsympathetic towards others. They maybe become cynical and lacking compassion towards others. Uh, Is your, do, do you have a lot of evidence for love and compassion towards others? If not, it's a sign of hardness. Number three, a hard heart thinks it's fine without God or very little of God. In other words, they've kind of become self-sufficient. They think, I'll, I'll be okay. You know, you keep, you got a little bit of God, but, you know, I, I got this. It's where pride uh, uh, comes into our lives, where we begin to think uh, we'll be all right. We just kind of, a little bit of God is okay. It's a sign of a hard heart. You know, in persecuted countries, 
The reason oftentimes there's uh, very little hardness is because they recognize how much they need God. You can't just live, think, okay, I'll be okay without God. There is no room to think I'll be fine without God. But in our country, with uh, so much self-sufficiency and materialism and, and just things to distract us from God, we think, oh, I'll be fine. Just kind of keep God on the sideline. A hard heart thinks it'll be fine without God or at least a, a, just a little bit of God. Number four, a hard heart does not joyfully engage in conversation about God. Ooh, now we're, now we're digging a little, a little too deep, huh? A hard heart does not joyfully engage in conversation about God. Do you find that in your own life? Or, or do you kind of shy away from conversation about God? When you're with someone who doesn't know God, does, does, it, just, does it come out? Are you, do you find yourself thinking, I want to share about God's love to this person? Or do you shy away when you're with your Christian friends? Is your conversation more about the Dodgers? Or is it more about Jesus Christ? Like, do we shy away from uh, giving gratitude to, to God for all the good he has done? A, a soft and tender heart towards God loves to talk about God. And a hard heart does not joyfully engage in conversation by God. And then the last one is a hard heart is not broken by sin. In other words, we all, we all sin and we know that. The difference between a hard heart and a soft heart is when we have sin, the hard heart thinks, oh well, it is what it is. You know, everybody sins, nobody's perfect. But the soft heart is broken by that and come before God with repentance. God, forgive me. Help me not to uh, turn away from you any longer. The, the, the hard heart is not broken by sin, but has become calloused in these things. You know, when we think of uh, hard and soft hearts, I think of uh, the Old Testament character of David. You know, at the end of David's life, he was described as a man after God's own heart. Surely that's a description of the heart that we're longing for this morning, right? A man or a woman after God's own heart. Like, that's what I want my life to be. But David did not live with a perfectly tender, soft heart towards God his whole life. In fact, there was a time where his heart had grown very cold towards the Lord. His men had gone off to uh, battle, and he had stayed back, and he gave in to horrific temptations that many of you know about. I won't get into all of that. But the thing is, the reason that David uh, is described as a man after God's own heart is not because he was perfect, but it was because he was broken. And he turned his heart towards God, and he, said, and he, and he repented, and he, and he developed a, a, a heart that was uh, moved to be obedient to the Lord. He wrote Psalm 51 after the prophet Nathan had confronted him and, and basically pointed out the sin in his life. And uh, towards the end of the psalm, he writes this, Psalm 51, 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Today, if you hear the word of God... Soften your heart. God will not despise a broken and contrite heart. A broken heart is a heart that uh, comes before the Lord and uh, submits to God's will. 
says, I want to do whatever you want me to do, God. A broken heart does not think too highly of itself, but realizes that uh, there is no room for pride, that we are dependent upon the Lord. A contrite heart expresses remorse for, for turning away from God. It's humble and it asks for God's forgiveness. You see, if you sense this morning that your heart has begun to harden, I think when we begin to point towards the remedy, it starts with prayer. A hard heart is softened while we're on our knees, asking God to break us and to forgive us. I've prayed that prayer many, many times, more than I would like to admit. God, break me. And it is always a scary prayer. Because a lot of times I don't like what God begins to do. But that is a wonderful prayer because we recognize that a, a broken and contrite heart, God does not despise. In fact, when we, are, when we come before him with that kind of humility, that is when uh, God's love is poured out upon us. That we find joy in our relationship with God. That God is pleased when he looks at a broken and contrite heart. Several years ago, and uh, some of you may have heard this story already because it's just this, one of these wild and crazy stories that I've probably told too many times. You know, I love to recycle my stories. Uh, but um, uh, my parents were in Hawaii uh, vacationing. Now, again, this is, this is a wild and crazy story, but I thought of this because it has to do with my dad's physical heart. And I, and I began to think of the spiritual parallels here. But my, uh, my parents were in uh, Hawaii vacationing. And, and uh, anyone who's been to Hawaii, you've probably been snorkeling, right? And uh, when, uh, when I've been to Hawaii, you, you know, you get the snorkeling. And uh, if you can't praise the Lord when you're snorkeling, you really got a hard heart. Because it's wonderful. You see all these fish and, and just these beautiful things and, and these colors and... Uh, and it's amazing. And so my dad was doing that, as you know, all tourists do. And he's got his face down in the water. And, uh, and, uh, he, and he realizes, man, I've been under here looking at all these magnificent fish for a while. And he looks up, and once he takes his face out of the water, he's not where he thought he was. In fact, he, he gets startled. He kind of freaks out. He's like, man, I'm a long ways from the shore. But somehow in his panic... He thinks, i got to get there as fast as I can. He begins to swim as hard as he can. But the thing is, he was so, uh, so stressed out by the situation, he started swimming in the exact wrong d- direction. He started swimming out to sea. And uh, the combination of the stress and then the strenuous exercise, swimming as fast as he can, he began to have a heart attack out in the middle of the ocean. And so he's, this is a true story. He's filling his arms out there. And while he's drowning... A boat comes along and uh, recognizes that he's struggling. And they pull up alongside of him and pull him out of the water, take him to shore. He gets in an ambulance and goes to the hospital. And uh, long story short, he's fine. He's recovered. He's, he's okay. But the people in the boat uh, that came by said, uh, we never go this way. They were just out. They owned a boat. They lived there. They going out for a leisurely stroll. They said, we always go in the opposite direction, but for some reason we came this way. And I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder about that. What's that one reason, right? Uh, God was watching over them. Uh, but when I begin to think about this in, in, in 
kind of like, a, like a, another parable, spiritually speaking. You know, we might have had our heads down in the water for a long time, and we look up and we recognize uh, we don't like what we see. Uh, we don't like where our heart is at. And the thing, is, the good news is that God has sent a rescue boat. Like Jesus can come alongside of us and heal us and, and break our hearts and cleanse us and, and draw us close to him so that we have a passion for him and a love for others. But, it, but if Jesus brings the rescue boat alongside of us, we could easily wave and say, oh, thanks a lot, but no, I got it, I got it. You know, keep on going. The thing is, if that's our attitude, we will drown. But Jesus comes alongside of us to help us in our time of need. And so if we are to ask ourselves, what is the remedy? What does God want us to do? It starts on our knees to recognize that we need more of God in our lives. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel uh, kind of was in these shoes. He had been going around and looking at Israel, and he brought his head up from the water, and he looks around, and he is disturbed by what he sees in the people. Their hearts are far from the Lord. They've turned away from God. They've turned to idols. They've, they've abandoned uh, uh, the God who loves them so much. And uh, Ezekiel is uh, broken, and he's disturbed, and he's concerned and God gives Ezekiel this promise. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You see, that's a wonderful promise from the Old Testament that we can hang on to today as well. That, uh, that it says that God will do it. He will take our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. You see, our hearts were designed by God to be soft so that we can be moved by God. When we're hard, we're not, when we're, hard we're not malleable. We're not uh, tender. We don't have the ability to follow the Lord the way that he wants us to go. But when he gives us a new heart, then uh, we can follow the Lord. And so Ezekiel received this promise, and then in receiving this promise, uh, you can tell God's not, God's, God can look in his heart, and he's not so sure that Ezekiel's quite got it yet. And so he gives Ezekiel a vision. And uh, in this vision, Ezekiel uh, saw a valley of dry bones, like dry old bones as far as the eyes could see, bleached by the sun, picked clean by wild dogs and vultures. And God then asked Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? And maybe you've wondered the same thing. Can these old bones live? You look at the, uh, your loved one that, you, that seems to have such a hard heart. Could God ever give life to those bones? You look, at, uh, you look at your coworker that is so sarcastic and seems to have no desire for the Lord. Could God ever give life to that, but those bones? You look even in your own heart. And you're disturbed and you're broken by what you see. Could God breathe life into your own heart and, and uh, soul? And Ezekiel uh, does not know the answer. And he says in verse 3 of Ezekiel 37, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
And maybe that resonates with our hearts as well. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then in Ezekiel's vision, God said to him, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. It reminds us to come back to the parable of the soils, the word of God. This is what God calls Ezekiel to as well. Hear the word of the Lord. And my, uh, my uh, thought as we look at this today is that if we want to have soft hearts to God, it is to let the word of God grow in our hearts. When God says do it, we do it. When God says don't do it, we don't do it. When God says, speak to this person, we speak. We let the word of God grow in our hearts. When we live in obedience to his word, our hearts are softened. And the, and the hardness of the stone heart is uh, broken away. And the soft heart receives by faith what God's word says about them. And this is sometimes what we need to soften our hearts as well. For those of you who are in Christ to receive God's word, that you are forgiven. And you are dearly loved. That you are a child of God. That you are strengthened by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Ezekiel then goes on to say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And then you begin to get this magnificent picture in the vision where uh, the bones begin to rise up and to collide together and jaw bones are jammed into place and hip bones are connected to the, uh, to the leg bone and all of these things, right? And the tendons pull them together and the flesh comes on them and the, and the dry bones are brought to life. And that's the vision of what God can do in our lives. He can come and breathe His Holy Spirit in us and hard hearts of stone can turn into hearts of flesh when the good news of God's uh, love comes into us. And so question number three was, or is, what are you to do if your heart begins to harden? We've said it starts, the remedy starts on our knees to repent and to ask God to break you, to ask God to soften your heart towards him and towards others it starts in prayer we've talked about how it how we are to turn to god's word for there are reminders in god's word that keep us humble that keep us dependent upon him that challenge us to love our neighbors well and uh, and motivate us to live a life that is centered on christ we start on our knees we turn to god's word and bottom line and this is what I think the bottom line to this third question, what are you to do if your heart begins to harden, is this. Get as much of God in your life as possible. Worship, fellowship, serve the Lord, study God's word, and most importantly, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God and others with all your heart, you will develop a soft heart. So that's what I conclude with this morning. If you don't remember anything else from today's sermon, just remember that. If you love God and love others with all your heart, then God will form within you a soft heart. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just come before you, and uh, right now we ask and, and pray that you would 
begin to chisel away at any hardness that's within our own hearts. God, I just want to give the church here a moment to pray in the silence of their own hearts. Uh, a humble prayer asking that you would break them and that you would forgive them. And so, God, I just we just come into your presence and uh, speak to you the things that are on, on our own hearts right now. God, I thank you that you have sent the rescue boat, that Jesus is here. And God, we pray that we would climb up into your love and your forgiveness. God, we pray that you would humble us and uh, cause us to be sensitive to your leading in our lives. God, I thank you that you first loved us. You loved us so much that you sent your own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. And so, God, this morning we enter into that love with the hopes that that love will overflow in our hearts, in a love towards others, and ultimately in a love towards, towards you. God, we thank you for your love, and we pray that we would mirror that towards everyone in our lives. God, give us soft hearts Break us, help us to be obedient to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.